You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, sexymarriage.net. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Hard to believe it's already November. Man, the holidays are right around the corner. Or, I'm sorry, it's Blovember. Once again, swing and a miss. You're welcome, fellas. <laughs> that was my idea. This is Sexy Marriage Radio. <laughs> We're having honest, straightforward conversations and uh, attempts at provocative things that sometimes fall flat. Where <laughs> we want to hear, funny. we want to hear from the Sexy Marriage Nation. Uh, we want to know what's on your mind, what kind of questions you've got, uh, where we can go with shows. 214-702-9565 is how you leave voicemails for us. Or if you'd rather record uh, your your message and then email it to us, you're welcome to do that. Feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Also send us questions there too. Yeah. And if you like if you like what you hear, then please jump on iTunes, uh, subscribe so you don't miss any shows, and leave a review and a comment if you would, because we want to. Climb the charts, spread the word that married sex is the hotbed for sex. Do the same on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Player FM, Overcast. <laughs> There's so many ways that you can find the show. And we are glad and grateful every time you find the show. Because the Sexy Marriage Nation does help create this uh, listener-driven radio concept that we've got going on where we spend a lot of time answering your questions yeah. or having deeper conversations. And if you want to even go deeper with us, uh, you want you want to join the Academy. You can either do it via the extended version only, mm-hmm. or you can uh, join the full-on Academy, go all the way with us, and get access to the coaching call that's once a month, as well as a private chat area, um, virtual hangout time, a lot more access, a lot more interaction. Yeah. So coming up on today's regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, a, a lengthy conversation with Jess Zimmerman, mm-hmm. who's a mental health professional, psychologist, certified sex therapist up in the Seattle area. She's also schnarchy and trained like, we like I that. am. We like that ideas. <laughs> of the it's, similar... It's a solid way to look at it. Similar mindset. And so we go into a... We, we're going to have some fun with this conversation. Mm-hmm. And then the extended version, which is deeper and twice as long, if you'd like to join that, you would go to sexymarriage.net to subscribe. Uh, Pam and I are going to debrief the conversation I've had with Jessa. Yeah, you're going to want to hear it. So glad you're here. All that's coming up on today's show. Well, Jessa, welcome to Sexy Marriage Radio and to the Sexy Marriage Nation. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. And I'm excited about this conversation because uh, the work that you do and and the podcast you've just begun this this calendar year, um, we are of cut from the same cloth in some regards that that we like to talk about sex. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of the things I'm curious about, and I think the Sexy Marriage Nation is interested in, because um, you know I, I have the belief that. Nothing prepares you for marriage, but marriage. You know, mm-hmm. when you, when you get into it, some of, we're we're both snarky and trained, 
in in regards to some of the concepts. Um, right. So there's an element of when I get into this and then discover what marriage is and then what married sex is, it's like, whoa, this is not what I thought it was going to be, which then translates into, man, why is this so much work sometimes? And so I'm curious, what's, what's your thought on that? Well, I mean, it, it, it's a total myth that sex is easy, right? I mean, and, and I mean, I know that in some parts of our lives, sometimes it comes easy. It's not like that's never the case, right? but it's totally normal to struggle with sex because you think about the obstacles that life throws us. Okay. You know, we've got, I mean, at the very least we have aging, right? That happens to all of us. Yeah. It's uh, inescapable. Uh, right. Right. Uh, just busy lives, children, disease, sexual dysfunction, fluctuating sexual desire. Like this is all stuff that just happened. Right. And those, you know, all those things throw a wrench in the works and we have to, we have to adapt to that. We have to do some work and some growth to sort of reach a new plateau or a new normal. Right. And I, and I love that framework because we're talking about the idea of we're, this is, this is producing something. It's not just an act in and of itself. That, right. That there's a right. growth in, involved and there's, and so it actually involves more of us and requires more of us, not just our spouse, because I'm going to venture the guess. <laughs> yeah. You have the same <laughs> mindset of that. A lot of couples come to see you and their underlying motive is, uh, fix my spouse because they are the source yes. of my struggle. <laughs> Right. And I explained it. I think every couple that sits in my office, everything is co-created, Yep, you know, and our stuff fits together. Um, we're, we're together for a reason. And our challenges tend to match perfectly with our partners to be totally frustrating and really an opportunity to do our own work. Right. You know? Right. Because it's an inescapable thing of marriage that it's like I keep Absolutely. constantly I, I live in a house of mirrors and that mirror is my spouse. Yeah, and boy, I don't like what I see sometimes, right? <laughs> that is that is no fun. And and you know, we have periods in our lives together where it's I mean, Snarch talks about this, right? Where you have comfort cycles. Yep. Where we're close to along and happy and it doesn't feel like work. Yep. And then we get thrown into a growth cycle where we're challenged to change and rethink things and transform in order to reach the next comfort cycle, right? So there's sort of this you know, it's, it's never static. No, it's, it, yeah. That, what's that? The phrase that it's, it's not a destination. It's a journey that we yeah, don't, we don't yeah. arrive. We, but we do get rest points along the way. Right. right, right. So enjoy those comfort cycles when you have them exactly. and then, you know, gear up and prepare to take yourself on when you hit some challenges in the road. So in your experience, what are some of the things that implement or introduce the growth cycle most? What are, what are, do you have a couple things that come to mind that couples that, that, that start yeah. that process? Yeah, let's see. Uh, one of the, several things come to mind. So let me organize my thoughts here. One of the big ones is um, sexual desire discrepancy. Yep. So of course, it's a fact that in any relationship, at least over time, somebody wants sex more than the other person. Correct. That's that's not a problem by itself, but a lot of people don't deal with that well, right? right? So when they get into a struggle with it, that will often kick this off. It's amazing how toddlerish we can be in these discrepancies sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Why are my needs getting met? Why aren't we doing this my way? You know, it's, I mean, it's a tough thing. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of growth that has to happen to handle that discrepancy. Well, whether you're the higher desire partner or the lower one, there's, you know, there's work on both sides. Yeah. And I think that's a fair point to to at least land on for a second because both sides have a burden in this, right? It's not, it's real easy. And I know our field can be, uh, 
sometimes pretty harsh on the lower desire as if there's something wrong with them, right? That right. it's like, there whoa. Is, there is not. I mean, first of right. all, there's no, there's no level of sexual desire that's, that's right, right or appropriate or normal, right? And I always start with the premise that the lower desire partner has very good reasons uh, for yep. not being as interested in sex as they could be. Yeah. You know, not just their innate libido, which, you know, people have that kind of level, but there's stuff in their way that's, that's in their way, you know, for a reason. And we have to look at that. They've got some valid reasons, yeah. you know, whether it's about the relationship they're in or the sex they're having or the power dynamics or the meaning of the sex, whatever it is, they're reacting to something that's really real. Right. And I think also some of those uh, reasons can have nothing to do with the spouse too, right? It can be from their, oh, yeah. what they're yeah. bringing into it. That's, you know, not even a, a fault or a possibility responsible section of the relationship. It's just their own, it's their own journey. Well, absolutely. If they've had trauma, you know, or the kind of upbringing that they've had, the beliefs they've had about sex. I mean, there's so many things that can affect somebody's, you know, they can get in the way of their natural desire, right? whether that's higher or lower than their partner still. But, you know, we've, we've got to be looking for those obstacles and working on those. Yeah. And that's and I guess that 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 brings us to that concept of the mirror, that that's what's being revealed is, yeah. wait, this, diff, this discrepancy between us is actually a revealing of something I've been trying to escape my entire life, maybe, <laughs> because I've just, I don't want to deal with I me. Mean, who, who loves to continually confront our baggage? Oh, come on. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call liar on that one, I yeah, think, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's seeing it as, okay, this is how do I take the courageous step? And that's the thing I love about the crucible, which is Snarsh's work is he, right. he, he calls upon the courage of people. Yes. And and how we have that capacity, and that's what drives us forward to to parts that we've never experienced yet, and that we right, haven't right. we haven't touched and savored all that it can be because of the courage it takes to get there. Yeah, yeah. And so for the lower desire partner to try to identify what their obstacles are that might be in the way of their own inherent desire, right? And for them to take a more active role in creating the sex life that they could engage in right? Like that's how I see their work. But the higher desire partner who, you know, often comes into therapy feeling more sexually evolved or they're the one in the right, you know, you just got to fix my partner here who's having trouble wanting this normal thing. You know, for that person, they're very frequently taking all of this personally. You know, their sense of self-worth and desirability is defined by their partner's sexual response. Like they've got their own work to kind of separate their own sense of esteem from, their sexual prowess or their, their partner's interest in them. Yeah. And I, I like that. So, uh, so I want to touch on a question that did that just sparked for me, Jessa, that one of the things sex imagination has sent in uh, throughout the years of, of this show. And more recently this, I've seen a, a little more uptick of this kind of a theme is a lot of times that we don't, it, my history has been, I haven't really called to task the lower desires role as much. It's real easy or it's much easier for me being a higher desire to take on my own kind, right? That, oh, interesting. Right. Okay. And so, and I also, maybe it's this fear of, I don't want to bash a lower desire when I'm not one. Um, but I'm curious because you just touched on the lower desire needs to take some initiative in the sense of their own role in that dynamic. Yeah. So is there more the lower desire needs to do? 
I mean, I, basically, I'm sophisticatedly asking you to bash the lower desire so I don't have to. No, that's a joke. <laughs> okay, so I'm, but <laughs> I'm not going to bash them. But, but, you know, I think a lot of times, as, as we know, the person with lower desire for anything, sex or anything else, has all the control. Right. right? They're the one that's in control of the spigot. Yep. You know, they say yes or no, how, when, all that stuff. Right. Yes. And, and often that person is sitting there pretty comfortably in their comfort zone while their higher desire partner is sort of suffering. Right. Right. And they're not necessarily stepping into this in a proactive way to solve the problem with their partner. Right. So I think by, by starting, you know, by starting with the premise that they have some very, very good reasons for what's in their way uh-huh. takes, you know, that's not bashing. That's no, no, not at all. Because, Ab- because typically, you know, or not typically, often their partner is thinking something's wrong with them for their lack of desire. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with them. And so starting from that place, I think, is helpful. Right. And then it's, you know, I see it as it's really on them to figure out what could make sex more engaging for them. Okay. And to play this active part. Okay. So if they don't understand what turns them on, if they don't know what they want in sex, if they, you know, if they're not speaking up about what's not working for them, uh, if they're not tackling their demons of the past, whatever it is, right? They're not being a real participant in a sex life that could work for both people. Yeah. And so it is their job to sort of, you know, get off the couch and get involved in this thing and not just sit back where they're comfortable. And I like that that idea because it is the for whatever reason, it's not occurred to me as succinctly as what you just phrased of they're in their comfort zone more than the higher desire is. And so the impetus to them is probably not as strong to want to do some yeah. of that self-discovery work. Right, right. Now, yeah, I should say it is possible. I had the thought where you said that it is possible they're not in their comfort zone, that they're having sex they don't want to be having. True. Right. They may be they may be leaning way over on their partner's side and doing it in a way that they can't feel good about. And is often, you know, that's going to cause resentment and yep. all kinds of bad feelings over time. They can't maintain that. Right. So often, I guess when people come into therapy, they've hit a wall doing that. So it's not like they've spent their whole marriage, you know, in their comfort zone. Right. But, They're not just kicking yeah. back with their feet up and, you know, watching I mean, they might be, but they, they might not be. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Right. I gotcha. Because this is. I guess if nothing else, it's trying to think of this through the lens of each part has a role to play in the fact right. of what's being reflected back and disconcerting to them actually is a yeah. signal of, wait, do you really want to do this work or do you want to just maintain the comfort by holding your partner's growth hostage? Right, right. And 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 as you probably know, people come into therapy um, – when this stuff is activated in such a way, they can't keep doing it the way they're doing it. Right. Right. Like they're hitting a point where the status quo can't continue. Right. And that's what that's what kicks you into a growth cycle, whether you want to or not. You, you can't stuff it back in the box, you right. know. Um, so that's often when people show up in therapy is like this is finally coming to a head. Yeah, that's that. I mean, that's the whole thing that I've discovered in the life of, of what I've been doing online that, you know, people don't seek out stuff for enrichment as much as they do when there's pain. Right. That when there's right. a pain point, I'll find what do I got to do to make the pain go away? But then sadly, yeah. sometimes there's a component of us that's like, I just want the pain to go away. I don't want to address what's really underneath that's causing the pain. Right. Right. Okay. So in, in the book that you have, um, mm-hmm. where you're talking about sex without stress, right? Right. That, that it's just, there's, there's lots of components that come up with, that make it like this idea of why is it so work? Why is there so much work and it's supposed to be easy? Um, how do we make this fun again? Uh, cause I, th- let's go there. How is it that we, how do you translate 
sex that if you look at it and are honest, which this is a courageous step from the sexy marriage nation, if they're listening to this and they go, you know what? They're accurate in that what I'm, the sex I'm having is a lot of work. It's not a lot of fun. And just admitting that is a courageous step. Yeah, but, absolutely. Being honest with your partner about so, that is. A, so how you do you know. transition that to let's make this fun? Well, let me let me uh, cover something as an intermediate step here, because okay. there's something I describe in the book. It's sort of the basis of it. It's what I call the sexual avoidance cycle. Okay. So when sex is hard or it's disappointing or it doesn't live up to your expectations or your idea of what sex is supposed to be, um, and when this happens kind of repeatedly, right, sex starts to be negative, right? It's stressful. Right. It's, it, you know, I have clients use the word fraught. Like every time they go to have sex, it feels like this test and they sort of expect to fail it. Yep. Right. So when that starts to happen, um, it's human nature to avoid it. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's our nature to avoid things that produce bad feelings and anxiety. Yep. Right. So a couple will often stop having sex or, you know, tr- avoid it more often than not and avoid talking about it. Right. So there's this phenomenon that it's too, it's almost too dangerous. Right. So we just don't go there. Right. Right. The, pro- the problem with that, though, is that that increases the pressure. Absolutely. It's not like what we you know, what we avoid doesn't go away. It's like this is where the elephant in the room shows up. Right. It's this huge thing bearing down on you. And, you know, both people tend to have this awareness that we're not having sex and we should or we're not having sex. And I know my spouse wants to. It creates increased pressure. Right. Which, of course, then if they do have sex, you know, on those occasions where they do, there's that much more pressure that this time it go well yep. to sort of escape this thing. But yep. it, it makes it almost impossible for it to go well. Right. right. So that's that's where it creates this whole cycle. Right. So the whole thing is really driven by expectations. Okay. It starts with that feeling of disappointment, like somehow this isn't the way it's supposed to go. So the fact that it seems to take work or the fact that... Um, a woman doesn't have an orgasm through penetrative sex or the fact that it happens too quick. Whatever it is, it's driven by these expectations that are not helpful. Okay. So a, really the first step is to change our expectations. Okay. So in, in the book, I've got a whole section about common uh, misconceptions about sex, a whole new way to think about what sex is, to, t- to try to take that pressure off so that you there's sort of no way you can fail. Okay. Like there's no way sex could go that could be disappointing if you can really change your mindset. I like where that's going because you think of it, <laughs> you think of it in the context of, Hey, this is something we can get into. And the goal is, is as varied as we want it to be. Yeah. It's just something yeah. so we, it's an adventure we start together. Exactly. So I talk, I tell almost all my couples, I like to think of sex as going to the playground and I, I don't mean that in a childish way. Right. I mean, I mean that in that it's the outing that matters. Okay. You just go to the playground with your spouse. Okay. It doesn't matter what you do when you get there. Nothing says you have to go down the slide. Maybe just swing a little bit. And once you're there, you figure out how long you want to stay. Right. Okay. You might have thought, oh, we just want to stop by. But once we're there, we're having fun. Let's keep going. Let's do something else. Right. I mean, having that mindset about sex takes so much pressure off. And, and then if you realize, to my mind, sex is about pleasure and it's about connection. Okay. It's, it's not about what you do with any particular body parts. It's not about orgasm per se or penetration. It's, it's just sharing pleasure and connection with your partner. Right. Right. And sometimes See? it can be one or the other. Yes, absolutely. Right? Varying, varying degrees mm-hmm. of one or the other, right? But you're playing in that uh, field, in that soup, sort of. And, and so 
all kinds of things qualify as sex to my mind, right? It's not defined by a particular right, act. Right. And that's what we've been trying to do at Sex Emergination is this idea of sex is not just penal vaginal intercourse. It's right. It's the right. entirety of the process. Right. So like I hate the word foreplay because of course that implies this comes before the actual thing, which is you know, just reinforces this idea that there's a there's a real sex and then there's everything around. And I and I have to say, even for um heterosexual couples where penis and vagina might be a possibility, that's still a really limiting idea for them because they may not always have the same use of those parts or right. they may not want to use, right. you know. Um, all kinds of things can happen where if that's how you define sex, you, you're set up for failure at some point. Right. And that's so that's where society's not done a service that's that's helpful. That's where <laughs> yeah. uh, religious right. upbringings have not done a service by you know not even coming close to addressing these kinds of conversations yeah. well enough in times. Right. And, and then even our own misinformation or thought processes that we had going in, we've got to challenge those things. And this so maybe... Yeah. Maybe this is that concept of challenging our expectations, mm-hmm. because to me, I, I don't know, if, I don't know where you stand in this, but to me, I define the word expectation as planned disappointment. That, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's, it's, You've got expectations. You're just you're setting yourself up, especially if another human being's involved with, <laughs> with that, because it's, yes. it's, <laughs> it's probably just not going to unfold the way I'm hoping. Right. But seeing this as I need a challenge. What what's what am I attached to? What what am I looking yes. for? And maybe go underneath it to the desire of you know what I really am looking for is some pleasure and some connection because that's not as much of an expectation yeah. with an outcome as it is an experience. Right, right. Okay. And I think it's hard for people sometimes to you know I don't know that we always recognize our expectations. Right. It's sort of the water we swim in. We right. don't. We never. We're not aware of what they even are or how they're influencing us. So it really, it takes some reflection. I mean, in the book, I tried to take apart the, the most common ones I hear about in my practice, but it can take some real examination to sort of figure out what is impacting my sense of what's supposed to be happening. Okay. And so that's almost like a, a real-time, moment-by-moment process, if you think about it, in, be, yeah. in my life of how am, I, how am I aware of what's driving me and what I'm attached to. Right. Right. Okay. So... Uh, one last thought I've got, just because I'm curious, yeah. I'm curious about this is when when you're talking about the work that you've done with couples and the work that you do with your show and the book, um, that sex just just becomes this this thing that you know I put it in the framework of sex is what separates marriage from every other relationship we've got, and so. Mm-hmm. One of the tenets Sexy Marriage Radio has proposed for the seven years it's been around has been 100% of your sexual energy, steer that towards your relationship if, you're in, if you want to be in a monogamous relationship, right? That, that steer it there. doesn't matter where it comes from because religious connotation can get all bent out of shape about, oh, wait, I got triggered by something outside of my marriage. That must be sin. Right, right. I don't believe that. You know, I think, wait, that's just yeah. the life we live. But I want to steer it towards marriage that what is it about you know sex in as marriage unfolds does have seasons of work right Mm -hmm. and and maybe seasons of fun so so is there a framework or a thought process you have that helps couples get out of their own way of that expectation too of 
oh, this is going to just be monotonous and boy, I mean, the, the, the societal joking thing I hear is marriage is where sex goes to die. Right. And it's like, come on, that does not help. Yeah, and we, and we, we can contrast that with David Snarf says, which is we can't even have our best sex until our fifties or sixties, which I love to point out to people. Cause yes. it's like, what? You, know, yeah. you think you're done by it. It's like, no, you gotta be a fully developed person with a lot of self-awareness and an ability to be honest and intimate exactly. you know, in a way that don't do in our 20s. Yeah, have, have you ever heard reference? I still have not ever found this study, but I've heard from two different sources of referencing a study that said intimacy doesn't actually begin until after 18 years of a relationship. I, I haven't heard that. Okay. But, um, I'm trying to find the study. I can't find it. Yeah. Well, and it all, you know, it all depends how you define intimacy. It gets complicated, right? Yes, it does. Uh, but the idea that the best sex is going to involve you knowing yourself and revealing yourself. Yes. You know, and that is not easily done with that, what we find erotic, with what we enjoy, you know, with the difficulty people have talking about sex at all. Right. That, that's done. That's what that is only done and accomplished by, by grownups. Right. Right. <laughs> and some it can take it can take us a very long time to get there, right? We're not <laughs> yes, grown up when we hit 21 or something. Yes, it can. Yeah, just because I might be biologically in my sexual prime does not mean my body and my grown-upness is anywhere near close to that. Right. Right. Okay. So so you're saying that if you're talking about translating better sex into marriage and you're in the season as part of a listening to the show of wow, this is kind of hit a lull or this is a lot of work to make it happen or it's not as satisfying as it could be. There's not an erotic and stuff. It's the same kind of mantra I have in that, wait, you, you once you develop more, you can taste more, you can experience more. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it starts by addressing this honestly with your partner, right? Like here's the courage again. You've yeah. got to be willing to to show up and say, basically, I want our relationship to be as strong as possible. Right. And it's not there in this arena. You know, we, let's, can we talk honestly about what's going on? Can we talk about what we both want, what our challenges are? How are we going to, how are we going to move past this phase and, and reach a new, you know, really a higher level? Right. I think. Yeah. You know, it's never about going back to the way it was when we first got together. You're not going there. Nope. Let's, yeah. So it's, so, but it's, it is that idea of, even just the mere fact of bringing that kind of conversation up, you're talking about, here we go. Let's, let's, I'm just going to challenge the discomfort and the growth and the stress in the short term yeah. because of what I could possibly, possibly accomplish in the long term. Right. And again, most, most people I think aren't going to have that conversation until the pain of the moment is kind of unbearable. They're, I think they're often forced into this because they can't keep doing it the way it's been. Somebody's unhappy enough right. that they're willing to rock the boat. Um, at which point both people have to kind of take this on. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm describing the problem a lot about the sexual avoidance and the work and all the stuff, but the, the way I see how to get out of this, you know, so on the one hand is changing the expectations and thinking about sex in a whole new way. It's just pleasure and connection. It's not about certain acts. Then in the book, I walk people through a, in a, really an experiential process that involves a touching exercise. And you use this in nine phases to sort of, it, it's like you have to change this through doing, right? through experiences that reveal, you know, that show you those mirrors right. where you see what, what's in your way, and then you can gradually change that. So that exploration can become fun after a while. It's a little hard in the beginning, I think. But, <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's already a way to do something very different than what you've been doing. Right. Like, oh, okay. 
somewhere new. Right. I mean, how many things are there that are really, really good for us in life when we first start them aren't a whole lot of fun <laughs> at the beginning, right? It's right. like this whole, right. oh, I got to change this pattern that's ingrained in me to do it differently. And that's not always fun, but it becomes such. Yes. All right. Well, Jessa, thank you very much for being willing to take a little bit of time out to join uh, us in the nation today. And absolutely, I, I want to ask you to tell tell the Sex Emerge Nation how they can find more of you if they're curious about your book, your podcast, and your work. Yeah, yeah. So my website is jessazimmerman.com. and through there you can link to the website, uh, the podcast, which is called Better Sex. Right? It's on all the podcast outlets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you'll see. You can get to the book on Amazon. Again, it's called Sex Without Stress, A Couple's Guide to Overcoming Disappointment, Avoidance, and Pressure. Perfect. Um, so that's just out. So that's available. And um, what else do I have going on there? I mean, I'll, certainly things about my therapy practice for anybody who's in Washington State. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Jessa. You're welcome. And we're going to leave it at that. All right. Well, if anything was undone from the regular version or the extended version depending yeah. on which one you listen to email us 214-702-9565 or feedback at sexymergeradio.com we want to hear from you we do what jumps do. out to you what questions do you have or that are sparked or where did we miss the boat we want it all yep well this has been Sexy Merge Radio wherever you are and however you've been listening thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us we'll see you next time